five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything to do with the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans. I'm Chris Lightvoice, joined virtually by Omni at Omni Strath and Sam and another Sam Chan. Welcome, gentlemen, to episode 98. It's been 84 years since the last podcast episode. How Which, are you feeling? I thought you were going to say since Overwatch released. Uh... I just four years. We, we not recorded even before it released, right? The last episode. <laughs> well, I, I, I just can't. I just can't. Two weeks is way too long. I mean, arguably, I was going to suggest <laughs> that's also not as long as it's been since the Vancouver Titans actually shared anything of relevance online. Or hey, come on, hey, we saw some hey. highlights from our beloved player Shockwave. I mean, trivia gets me through the day, man. <laughs> <laughs> that and a. Scavenger Hunt. I actually haven't checked out the Scavenger Hunt in fairness, but it seems like an odd play in, during a pandemic. Unless it's a virtual scavenger hunt, at which point, okay, cool, but I, I haven't checked it out. But that's what the Vancouver Titans have been up to. Uh, we're going to talk about what the Toronto Defiant have been up to. They've actually been making some additions to their team, so we've got that to get into. We also have a return of our fan-focused segment, the meta, we've got Sir Dr. J.M., uh, Jordan. He is joining us to chat about how he became a fan of the Vancouver Titans. And uh, for those that have followed him from his podcast, One Man Watchpoint, welcome. And for those that have never heard of One Man Watchpoint, you got to go check it out. We have Overwatch League news galore. Like when we take two weeks off, the league just goes B-A-N-A-N-A-S, bananas. Uh, Spectre came out with a video that suggests Sideshow um, is, you know, getting brought to the forefront. And uh, I don't know. There's all sorts of other stuff we'll talk about. The also, fact that, yeah. Also brought to the bowling ball polishing machine. True that. Yeah. That. Uh, Overwatch 2 may or may not be happening. Who knows? But again, in that video from uh, Spectre, he shares a little bit about what's going on in the league. And we're going to go and, you know, hypothesize what that means. There's been Overwatch patches. And uh, yeah, this is episode 98, which means the next episode is 99. And the episode after that is 100, which means I kind of feel like we should do something special for episode 100, but I don't know what. It's a, it's a holiday episode. Like it'll be our last episode of 2020. It'll be the last episode before Christmas for those that, that, that celebrate. I, I think I that's our NBA season preview episode, right? Yeah. Well, I, I, I okay. Wait, 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 wait. Power rankings the, for the NBA. The bet, the bet states <laughs> that Overwatch Two needs to launch in 2020. So until 2021 rolls, I am holding out faith that some magic will happen. Jeff, during his Christmas fire log video will like just be sitting there and then turn to the camera and say, Overwatch Two is live. And then I'm going to be like, <laughs> in your face. What if something happens like XQC gets a private beta copy or something? Starts streaming it on his non-Twitch since he's well, banned. Yeah, on, on YouTube or, or <laughs> Facebook gaming. He's banned? 
Yeah, you don't didn't hear about this? No, XQC. I'm not following. So uh, uh, during a Twitch Rivals event, so like Twitch Rivals tournament yeah, yeah. in what Fall Guys. Fall Guys. <laughs> in Fall Guys. <laughs> and XQC was stream sniping other streamers. <laughs> Like Shroud, Doctor. Oh Lupo. man, the man so, cheated at a game for four years. The the guy is like ahead of the curve. He's like he knows how to bring the drama, right? So he's he's been banned from future Twitch Rivals events for the foreseeable future. He got like a, a one week Twitch like suspension. Like he um it, it it was yeah it was total XQC being. Good old XQC. Uh, he's like, well, my channel hasn't grown exponentially in a while. Let's uh, do some another, like, stir up. Well, in his defense, he thought it would be funny, but it was in poor taste, as he put it later. Well, I got uh, And both of, of those things are true. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, we're off the rails here, but there is some suggestion that these Twitch account suspensions for some of the bigger names actually work out in their favor. Now, to use the most extreme case as someone who's not even on Twitch anymore, Dr. Disrespect, but when Doc showed back up on the scene in his first stream, it set records, right? Because there's this yeah. hype that builds. Uh, and and we've seen other, uh, you know, big name streamers who suffered from a suspension, whether it be related to DMCA or something, when they return, their numbers are stratospheric. They're getting all of these subs okay. they would have otherwise not seen, donations. So f- there are some theory. So all we need, really need to do is to get suspended a little bit because we're not really I mean, I haven't you know, making a name forever. Part, so. I'm ready for some strata, stratospheric numbers. Or gotta, no, you got to get officially suspended. Yeah, we got to ban Sam. And then once Sam gets unbanned, then he's going to have the stratospheric numbers. Another Sam man equals XQC. Can. Another band, Sam. <laughs> Another band, Sam. It's <laughs> a good name. Anyway, uh, we'll take ourselves a short break and dive uh, into the payload. Moving the payload. Join me. We'll start off with what's going on in Toronto. Toronto has been working well with what I call his podcast lore in ensuring that their announcements happen in a way that don't allow us necessarily to be the breaking news figure, but equally try to work around the recording schedule for our friends out East and say Overwatch. Uh, the funny thing is like I have the podcast lore graphic with the whole Wednesday, you know, built in. We've got a Titan specific one. We've got a Defiant specific one. But uh, the benefit of us having the two weeks in between episodes means that theoretically they weren't fooling us because they have since our last episode announced the signing of Aztec as a uh, flex support, uh, Asunjay as main support, Sato is their new main tank, Hisu, mm-hmm. DPS. He came via trade, mind you. Uh, and then uh, they just announced Michelle as their uh, their new off tank. Toronto is shaping up to be a very solid roster. And I'm genuinely optimistic when we also consider how, you know, Adam, Adam has talked about how there is this, this plan that they're putting into place. And we've talked about this on the previous episodes. This is a good roster to have a plan around and to grow yeah. with. And that's not something that Define have had as much ability to do. I mean, their first season, they had a few rosters. Last season, they had a roster that was built for a specific purpose that then suddenly got shut down. This roster seems to be built with the idea of, yeah, we're going to be focusing on building this out for 2022. Right. 
I mean, it feels like uh, if we are talking about longer term plan, it, it's 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 going to be pretty good already. Uh, they still didn't announce who's going to be the Flex DPS, but outside of Aztec and Ansun J, because we're not really watching any contenders here, at least Korean <laughs> contenders, I, I assume, unless Sam is like an avid fan. Uh, so we don't really know about Aztec and Ansun J, except for the fact that you know, Aztec just won the league in the season two of uh, 2020 contenders and Nansen Jake comes from Element Mystics. And then people seem to be really high on these two guys. But Sato is a big signing for sure. I I'd, I dare to say that he was like a top three main tank in the league last season, maybe behind Fearless and Smurf. And there was a, a bunch of other top tiers tanks that it's all debatable. Um, but he's kind of weird to me because... In season and like at the beginning, everybody like asked for Philly to just get rid of him, and they didn't. And he popped off, and now that he's suddenly <laughs> top tier again, they're like, okay, yeah, well, we'll let him go. But I'm just hoping that we get the the, the good Sato and not just the streaky feeding Sato. And, and and a lot of people say that it's uh, up to the supports that went that uh, became really good in in Philly with Alarm and and Funny Asteroid once they had. But yeah, that's a great pickup because main tank is probably the shallowest uh, uh, spot, right? When you build a team in Overwatch League, when you want to compete, Hisu and Michelle both are are similar, also in a way that they they have a lot of talent, but they were benched a lot of the time because, like, hmm. well, Hisu was behind Carpe, right? That's the hit scan spot there. Uh, he'll probably get his time to shine a little bit in Toronto, uh, but he does have very similar heroes to Logic, so I guess there's will be some kind of Rotational though, even though now like a double hit scan is not out of the ordinary. And Michelle, he was benched. Um, I think Marvel, right? Marvel was the one who's been playing the Sigma most of the time. Uh, yeah, there are spicy rumors out there that maybe Rascal is well, uh, aimed towards. But may- you know what? They should bring Ivy back. That'll be another good sign. <laughs> Ivy hasn't signed with the team yet. No, I don't think no, so. I haven't. I haven't seen his name show up on on any of the signings, which I, I will talk about when we get into the fray taking, tomorrow, Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, tomorrow. But taking <laughs> a two week break tomorrow. makes <laughs> catching up on things tough. Um, you know, when we we look at at the you know the Tang lineup, I actually like the combination of Sado and Michelle, and then having Beast sort right. of have that experience in front of them to learn from and develop. Sure, and. I think if we were to go and and maybe suggest the I, I see the the defiant possibly looking at an additional support more so than an additional DPS. Not to suggest that that's not a, a possibility, but if they were going to go and run an, an eight man roster, uh, you know, I don't maybe nine. I don't see any larger than that. Yeah, right. It, it the reason why I suggest support is obviously. The, the addition of Aztec and, and Onsen J is simply because they are quote unquote, the rookies uh, and you want maybe some flexibility or some depth. Should that combination not work out as well as you might think it will. What we do know is that the team has been scrimming players hard and of the previous defiant roster, all of which for what we know were taking part in those scrims. Beast was the only one who performed mm. to a point that suggested he need to be brought back. Really, they were. How come nobody called me? What the hell. You unfortunately <laughs> were presumed to be busy and already signed. It was my design. Well, that's true. I didn't want to leak it before. Uh, well, 
You'll see the opt-out cause at RSP is quite pricey. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the team we had a team option, and I, I exercised the team option before last season was done. <laughs> He's just trying to cash out for draft picks. True, <laughs> uh, but it, it it's nice to see this this roster start to to build out and build out prior to the technical deadline of was it January fourth? I think is the the minimum roster size. Like you you look at other teams. We were talking about this before we hit record. The Vancouver Titans with three players are only ahead of three additional teams when it comes to roster size. You have the uh, London Spitfire, who have, we think, one. Uh, the Newark Excelsior, which have one. Granted, that one player with bots <laughs> is probably better than some of the lower tier <laughs> teams. And then you have the Paris Eternal, who we don't think actually have anyone signed. Say la vie. Right? It's, so we're, it's like, the, is the Paris ephemeral. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, at least for now, the Titans and the Defiant are already ranked above these guys, so that's good. <laughs> well, well, by default, Defiant have already already risen above their last year's standings ish. By just, default, just because of the team, just because they have more players. <laughs> got it, got it. So they they win based on the defaults that will occur. Yeah, either. yeah. Got it. But, got it. I, I, I'm actually reverse of I'm reverse of Omni because I'm not as excited about Sato. I think Hisu and Michelle like have opportunities to pop off if they're given more more shine like michelle's a really kind of funky character because he played a lot of diva he wasn't great at at sigma but he also has like this really oddly good sombra that kind of just sneaks right. in every time. so like i i i guess i think i obsess over like that kind of strange flexibility a lot more than a lot of other people would like like i really enjoyed when Decay popped off on Zarya and how they can switch between off tank and, and, and DPS or whatever. Um, but, but like, I think this gives them like more looks and, 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 and I, and I do think like if they can get more solidity or, or if beast could do some Sigma or whatever it is, like that gives them a lot of flexibility to, to move on and off. Um, whereas Sato, like, I just, I don't know what, what will become like which Sato will we see the one that we want to throw out of the league or or the one that we're we're putting on like all overwatch teams like it's it's quite strange yeah let's hope we don't be too Sato. hey <laughs> and uh that was too, easy. <laughs> yeah. and another player who can uh really pop off on uh the zarya is chris Okay, are we are we doing a segue into the next point in the rundown? Yes, we are. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, well, just to point out, you're skipping over one to get there, but you're right. Uh, a former Vancouver Titan found themselves a team. No, it's not the one you think we're going to talk about. We will get to him, but Soman Su is back in the Overwatch League. He's going to be joining the Hangzhou Spark, and he coming back into the league is good. Uh, we talked about this, you know, over the course of the season. But I, I often will refer back to when we had that opportunity to interview players. Someone who was one of the players that actually genuinely seemed to to be good with being there. He had fun. He was relaxed, um, and by all accounts, was just a a good guy. So it was unfortunate to see after the explosion occurred that he was essentially the only one that didn't find their way back last year. Mm -hmm. And seeing his return, I think bodes well. We'll talk a little bit about the rest of the roster when we get into the fray. Uh, but no, yeah, someone's back into uh, the Overwatch League. 
I didn't exactly realize like his pop. Somensu was always kind of like one of those unspoken guys in 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 the original kind of runaway roster where like I I mean all of them had fans, but but I kind of imagined that that with like you know big big personalities like Hakso like Bumper like I always felt like he kind of took a back seat and he was he was one of our fan favorites because because of our relationship with him personally but like I didn't realize like so many people were so happy for him and and well, obviously us included and um, that, that he's uh, back in the league mustn't forget the odd uh, meme account that's uh, prevalent on Twitter every time uh, you know what just okay. <laughs> Omni F it okay <laughs> well <laughs> Yeah, like I was trying to. Fr- I swear, like we had con. And I can't. I apologize. I can't remember if it's he or she or or, or they or, or whatever. But like, I feel like we had conversations in the past in Titans Court, and I was like trying to find him again, and I couldn't. The guy behind the heck, it's uh, Somensu. So yeah, Effet Somensu. Like you're right, Sam. I think I don't believe Effet Somensu was ever in uh, RSP Court. Probably was in Titans Court, um, but. Uh, yeah, no one's happier than whomever is behind I mean, that. Account. I mean, they've done like so much cool marketing for Soul Minsu, and I find it just it's awesome. Yeah, every time you, it doesn't matter if it's Reddit or not, if it's on Twitter, you'll always yeah. see this phrase. Regardless. <laughs> you know what? I I I am asking our biggest fan out there. There needs to be an F at RSP account. <laughs> if there's an F at SMS. There needs to be an F at RSP. Uh, we can't even yeah. put that on our podcast. Yeah, we can't even have it on the show. <laughs> well, we like can, we're self-censoring we, right now, so Chris doesn't have to edit more. Yeah, we can imply what, what we're talking about. Um, the implications. But someone so back in the league. The other former Titan finding themselves a job is Shockwave. That is correct. Shockwave is joining the Philadelphia Fusion. And quite frankly, if he's joining the Philadelphia Fusion, the Vancouver Titans stood zero chance of him returning to this roster. We knew that he was going to be essentially picking teams. And not to suggest that every team was like, hey, Shockwave, come join us. But if the Fusion were one of the teams in the mix, I can't imagine the others that were probably there short of the Titans throwing like crazy dollars at him, which at that point makes no organizational sense, you know, farewell shockwave. Unfortunately, it doesn't occur to me that anyone thought to tell those that, you know, obviously are in touch with us fans on the organizational side, because uh, much like that Janu tweet, the caption image that came out just before the team went kablooey, Shockwave was getting promoted on social, and then suddenly he's a fusion player. So, rip. Well, what can you do? Not even like Canuck Sports Entertainment can outbid Comcast. So, <laughs> what have we subscribed oh. for three years? Well, <laughs> considering we can't even get Comcast up in Canada, I hope I hope your PO box can have you know cable plant run to it. Uh, my my shipping my ship forwarding address. Yeah, your your mailbox down. You you got one in Blaine or Point Roberts? Uh I don't know. Maybe both. <laughs> okay, well, right. gotta gotta you know play the field. Um, the other news is that if anyone out there listening to our podcast wants to actually work for 
an Overwatch League franchise, the Toronto Defiant are hiring for a number of positions. And we're not talking about positions that would require you to have experience when it comes to like coaching or playing per se, although I'm sure that that is good to have. But they're hiring uh, video editors. Uh, they're ha- hiring a position to manage a TikTok account. And these jobs, some of them are for both the Toronto Defiant and the Toronto Ultra. Some are for just the Ultra. Um, lots of opportunity there, which is, I feel, a good sign. Organizations that are either having success or have an optimistic belief of success happening in the near future tend to look to grow. They go into that growth mode, having jobs such as these ones show up on the books. Can't say the same as happening here in Vancouver, and we're not sure if it will, but the point being is that the Toronto Defiant do have these opportunities, so please please take a look. I, I actually tried to reply uh, to one of them, uh, to Adam, where I just sort of may have doctored the image and changed it from like video editor to podcaster, but he didn't like it. So I don't know if it hit the mark. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's a good sign. More hires, more people in gaming. Anywho, we're going to take ourselves here a quick break uh, before we throw it over to the meta where I sit down with Sir Dr. Jam, Jordan. Uh, and talk a little bit about he how he became a fan of the Vancouver Titans. It is a reminder of my duty. Here we are in the meta, our fan focus segment here at Ready, Set, Pwn, and I have the pleasure to be joined by Jordan. You might know him online as Sir Dr. Jam or the host of the One Man Watchpoint podcast. Uh, but uh, Jordan, thanks uh, for joining me. I, you know, I've, I've given just a, a taster here like you know it's like the costco samples that one used to be able to get uh why don't you actually uh introduce yourself uh, to all of our listeners sure well thank you for having me chris i'm uh very excited to be here hopefully uh hopefully people are happy to hear my voice as well um and on the off chance that anyone recognizes me from my own podcast uh well hey thanks for following me over here too um so my name's jordan i go by sir dr jm online um, I'm a husband, I'm a father uh, to my two-year-old daughter. In terms of work, I'm an IT administrator, and that's probably why I love video games so much. I've always been around them uh, my whole life. But uh, yeah, that's that's who I am. And from that spawned my podcast, One Man Watchpoint, where I talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch, including uh, the Overwatch League and the game as a whole. So that's all. that's all there is to me in a very reductive sense, but uh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, no, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us. And I you know, want to point out that you were one of the first people to reach out and say, Hey, you know, I'd like to be part of this, this fan focus segment. I know you're not, you know, the first person for that. I apologize. <laughs> Before we click record, we were talking about uh, our previous guest on the, the meta Super Mario uh, 98. And uh, I'm, Equally excited, though, to, to have you here. It's just having one at a time makes it difficult to, you know, co-produce segments and offer them uh, equally. But I'm, I'm going to guess here, just because, you know, we talk a little bit about uh, your uh, your team that you follow, is that you are a Vancouver Titans fan. And I, again, I'm guessing, because for those that can't see and why would you be able to, you're rocking the Titans hat and a Vancouver Titans hoodie. That's, that's correct. Um, I think... Uh... Well, if you want to dive right into it, I'll tell the story about how I got into the Overwatch League because yeah, that's it's in a lot of ways. I think it's probably not all that uncommon, but I I think there's some merit behind it. So 
I, uh, I've been a fan of Overwatch the game pretty much since launch. I actually didn't get it at launch. It was probably about six months after, um, but I participated in, they, they had an online beta. Um, so I was in that. And then they also had some, you know, free play weekends or whatever uh, shortly after launch and everything. So I was in, in on that as well. Wound up getting the game a little, little while after. And after a few years of playing, uh, or maybe about a year, a couple of years, I, I finally just said, I like this so much. I'm, you know, watching YouTube videos. I'm trying to learn how to better myself at the game. Why haven't I explored the Overwatch League? So from there, I, uh, I basically looked up the teams and I said, okay, well, first of all, I'm Canadian. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm based out of Calgary, Alberta. Um, and so I kind of said, what are the Canadian teams? And you look one way and you see Toronto and you think, okay, well, anyone that's not from Toronto does not cheer for Toronto. That's a fact. And then you look the other way and you see Vancouver and you say, well, anyone from Calgary does not cheer for <laughs> Vancouver. So then I said, okay, well, I got to pick one. So who's doing better right now? So at the time it was shortly after stage one of, uh, of the 2019 season. Mm-hmm. And it was partway through stage two, I think. And obviously I looked at the standings, saw Vancouver on top and I said, okay, well, realistically they're going to be more attainable if I ever want to go see a game live or an event live. Um, they're going to be sort of honestly the easier one. There's less of a barrier there geographically. So, so I picked Vancouver from that. And, uh, from there started following, obviously, you know, stage two didn't, didn't necessarily go their way, but by all means, a, a fantastic season, um, as I'm sure we'll, we'll talk more about. So that's kind of how I became a Vancouver Titans fan. The uh, the funny story there, and again, I think it would relate well to those who followed traditional sports in Canada, is how you described being yeah. a, a, a fan in Calgary. Um, Toronto, generally speaking, has <laughs> a lot of people who are from Toronto who might have spread out and cheered mm-hmm. for Toronto. Yeah. But generally, if you are not from Toronto, following a team there is difficult. Yes. Uh, now... In traditional sports, you might say, well, what about baseball? Yeah, there's the Toronto Blue Jays, and I think there are probably a number of baseball fans in Canada that might follow the Blue Jays, but I'll bet you they also have another team that they also kind of pay attention to. Like me, it's the Seattle Mariners. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not cheering for either the Blue Jays or the Mariners, but hey, all things being equal, the moment a Major League Baseball team shows up in Vancouver, Mm -hmm. I can assuredly tell you they've got my support. But if it was a Calgary Major League Baseball team, <laughs> I, I'm in this position where, like, really? Like, I don't know. I, I would choose Calgary, you know, baseball-wise over Toronto, potentially. Sure. But I, I, we'll have to have that conversation if and when it ever to ever occur. Um, it also reinforces Sam and why he, you know, struggles to to cheer for for Toronto and the, mm-hmm. the podcast lore is that he is the, you know, noted Toronto hater. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and and I should jump in there as well and say honestly, um, after the events of this past season, obviously mm-hmm. as we all know the uh, the implosion of the former team, um, it certainly I think in a lot of ways, you know, to use a phrase, shook the faith um, of a yeah. lot of fans in Vancouver um, or fans of mm-hmm. Vancouver, and because of that, I did start to kind of open up a lot more to other teams. Um, and I kind of found myself being a more a fan of a lot of the players more than anything. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously I kind of chose a few teams to latch onto so I could, you know, really cheer and get behind someone. Um, and then the more I started following Toronto from there, honestly, the more I grew to love them because of, again, a lot of things that I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about here. <laughs> well, well, actually, you know, why don't we discuss that? Because one of the things that we've talked about on this show is how when we look at the Toronto Defiant and really their organizational approach to the community and connecting with fans mm-hmm. is significantly different than the experience of the Vancouver Titans community organization. I, mean, I am here in Vancouver, mm-hmm. and despite the success that they had in their first season, the connection to the team was fragmented at best. Now, there are a variety of factors that we've gone into um, over many shows as to why that might be. But the point remains that Toronto laid a what we could suggest as a brick-and-mortar foundation and understood that we need to connect to our fans first. So the moment that you know the pandemic strikes mm-hmm. and suddenly plans go askew, Toronto already had a solid foundation they could lean into, mm-hmm. whereas Vancouver did not. And, you know, one might suggest, well, Vancouver had this this marketing, you know, juggernaut in the former runaway team. True, but I was never a runaway fan. Like, yeah. I did not know what runaway was prior to becoming a fan mm-hmm. of the Vancouver Titans. And I would imagine you were probably in a, you know, a similar situation, like, or maybe you did know what runaway was, you know, beyond, uh, you know, being a contention. But that point remains when you suggest that Toronto has players you can sort of get to know mm-hmm. I've known, I mean, I knew their roster this season yeah. before yeah. we even started looking at becoming, you know, the premier source for both the Titans and the Defiant. Yeah, no, I, I think you, uh, you hit on a lot of, a lot of good things there. And, and I mean, obviously I follow you guys because you've talked about a lot of this stuff before, but that's exactly kind of what you saw. You know, I latched onto Vancouver because in a lot of ways of their success Mm -hmm. Um, and through following things, you know, got to know some of those players as much as I could got to become a fan of, you know, the legendary Hacksaw and, you know, um, their support line with slime and twilight and all these players. But at the same time, there is obviously that, that barrier of, you know, the, the nationality and the way that they did just basically pick up a team from contenders and bring them over. And to answer your question before as well, I, again, I didn't follow the Overwatch League, so I definitely wasn't following contenders. But when, you know, I think when that happens, obviously they, they had a clear strategy there. Their strategy was, this is probably at the time, the best team in contenders. We're going to scoop them up and see how they do here and hopefully bring us that level of success. And that's how we'll build our brand. We'll build our brand on success. And obviously, uh, when that couldn't necessarily happen because of all of the, you know, pandemic factors and things coming into play there, um, playing remotely, playing from Korea or anything like that, it it showed pretty clearly that that's not really the most viable strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's granted nobody could have planned for the pandemic and in, in the way it happened and everything. Um, but at the same time, there are certainly uh, safeguards, processes, and things that the organization probably should have had in place uh, to take care of their players. Because ultimately, yeah. that's in a lot of ways, that's what we saw. We saw, and and I don't want to speak for anyone on the organization side because I have no actual tie to them, but you saw a lack of them taking care of their players, treating them as if they were a proverbial family um, that they brought under their wing 
Mm-hmm. And that's that's why things went as wrong as they did. Where on the other side, you see the Toronto organization and overactive media. And I mean, you could look at the two rosters and I think it painted a pretty clear picture. You know, if Vancouver was going for the successful uh, winning team, Toronto was going for that kind of fan favorite team. You know, they had players like Sherfor. Um, you know, they had players like Agility, Kareev. Uh, I think Super Mario uh, on the previous meta episode talked a lot about uh, Roki, like mm-hmm. players that people were fans of and not just because they were this, this juggernaut in contenders. Yeah. Um, so they had a clear strategy there of if Vancouver is going to be that success story, we're going to be the, the fan favorite and hopefully we'll pick up some wins from there. Yeah. Now, obviously the win side this past season didn't necessarily work out and that's why you see what happened happened there. But They've also got a clear strategy going forward now. And that's, in my opinion, the problem that we see with Vancouver is we're not seeing a clear strategy going forward. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's interesting that you sort of bring up uh, the, the strategy side. Mm-hmm. If there's one thing that we can point to, like think of it as a, a fan of a particular team, whether you're a fan of the Vancouver Titans or a fan of the Toronto Defiant, mm-hmm. is the Toronto Defiant have, you know, people like Adam, 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 who are out there on social media you know, candidly saying with, you know, transparency in mind, here's what we're wanting to do. Here's why we might be going and doing it. And here's what we see over two to three years Yeah, with the caveat of, you know, things can change. Mm -hmm. We don't see anything like that from Vancouver. We never have. In fact, I would almost make an argument that if RSP, and this is us tooting our own here, but if RSP did not exist, how else yeah. would that information get get out there? I'm not naive to think that someone else doesn't come and fill that void, and, and maybe there's a podcast or you know a publication or, or what have you. But right. the thing about Vancouver is, someone like us has to work real hard to get that information. Mm-hmm. When you have a team out east like Toronto, who are like, well, no. We want to build our brand. We want to be recognizable. Let's make it easy. Let's make ourselves accessible. You look at, I mean, I, I having paid attention to Toronto since the the announcement of the team. I mean, their their launch event was a full out party. Hmm. The Vancouver launch event was more like a come see a runaway team. We're going to introduce our players on the ice at a hockey game, which was kind of funky because yeah. The people who show up for a hockey game, yeah. I'm not going to suggest are probably your market. Hey, mm-hmm. it's cool. I totally like the cross pollination. Sure. And, you know, maybe that got a few extra, you know, seats sold of people who knew that the roster was going to be announced and they want to be in rink to see it. But like, yeah. there's, there were a lot of missed sort of opportunities and they're, you know, as we saw over the course of the season, the only thing that really went well for the Vancouver Titans in their first year was the success that they had. Yeah. And then they did have plans to build on that success by doing a lot of what Toronto had already done. Sure. The problem is, yeah, the unplanned event in a pandemic yeah. got in the way. Toronto was in a much better position to weather the storm. And even though Toronto, you know, quote unquote, hit the reset button themselves, I mean, they've mm-hmm. kept one player from, well, let me rephrase that. They kept one player. They kept they one. Two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they kept one in, in Logic's. And while people were upset, a fan mm-hmm. favorite like Brokey not being brought back, the community is strong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The moment Runaway got to, you know, sent a different direction, mm-hmm. Vancouver Titans Discord 
yeah. would imagine saw a significant reduction in numbers. Yeah. I've seen the numbers drop on our podcast. I've seen numbers drop in our own, you know, community discord. So, you know, it's, it's, it's night and day in comparison between yeah. these two teams. Now I'm going to point out though, I've noticed that, you know, you've had the ability to interact with Adam on, on social media and you have suggested that maybe, you know, Hey, Calgary would be great for a, for a team. <laughs> you saw that, eh? <laughs> I, I might've paid attention to it. I mean, realistically, do you, do you see there being um, a, I would say like an esports scene in, in Calgary being there? Like, is there, is there a foundation for something like that to take hold? So, I mean, that's a tough question. And especially from someone who is, um, not necessarily as plugged in as, as maybe I should be to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Um, but having looked around and everything, um, you know, I know, I know there are some, some esports organizations and, you know, smaller outlets and things like that going on in Calgary. Um, we've got the classic, you know, gaming cafes and things like that. Sure. Um, but there's a Twitch Calgary group and, and every once in a while they have a big meetup and everything like that. Um, obviously pandemic notwithstanding and all that fun stuff we're dealing with. Um, but in a lot of ways, uh, you know, my, my, my shtick to get a team to Calgary is, is maybe a little bit of a shtick because it is, you know, me trying to drum up some attention, but it's also very self-serving in that I would love to work with an organization. Mm -hmm. Um, like I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm an IT administrator and I do that as a job, but that is not my passion by any means. Um, I'm passionate about video games and I'm passionate about esports, and I'm passionate about the industry as a whole. And I, I, all I really want to see is these things grow. Um, especially when it comes to the overwatch league, I think it is so unique in the esports scene. Um, whereas you look at games like, and you know, I'm probably going to, get some flack for this, but you look at games like Call of Duty, Counter-Strike, even you bring in something like Halo, which I know isn't super big on the esports side now, but when I was in high school and everything, that was the esport um, yeah. along with Call of Duty. But um, you look at games like that and they they f- sort of fit into a bucket a lot nicer than games like League of Legends, games like Overwatch. They're a lot more unique. And because of that, I think they they have that potential there. They have that seed to bring in um, a lot of people who don't traditionally follow these things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Overwatch obviously is, is almost built on accessibility. It's built on the idea that, you know, you don't have to be a marksman with a gun to be successful in Overwatch. I, I myself typically play support because... Um, I just gravitated towards it. Honestly, there's, there's no real reason. Um, when I do play DPS, you know, I love characters like McCree and Ash. Um, but at the same time, I love a character like Junkrat who you, you don't have to be, like I say, a marksman with Junkrat. Um, what are you talking about? I snipe <laughs> people with Junkrat all the time. I mean, Hey, there's a skill to it for sure. If you follow someone like Jake on Twitter, um, you know, some people are leagues above others when it comes yeah, to characters yeah. like that. And on the tank side, you know, it's it's all built on these roles that only uh, serve to allow people to come into the game more. Um, mm-hmm. Because of that, there's a barrier, obviously. There's a lot more to understand. There's a lot more going on. You watch a Call of Duty League game, and it's, in a lot of ways, it's a stream of people running to a capture point, getting a couple kills, and then they die. It's, you know, it's fast-paced. It's, it's yeah. action, action, action. Whereas you watch an Overwatch League game, and there's a lot of action, 
but it's a lot more steady. You know, hopefully if the two teams are doing well, hopefully people aren't dying every couple of seconds, right? Because mm-hmm. that that typically means that, you know, either both teams are doing bad or one team is getting steamrolled. Um, but it's it's so unique um, that all I really want to see is 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 the league grow. Um, yeah. I know Super Mario talked about um, um, expanding the the league. Uh, he, he mentioned a team in, uh, he mentioned a Japanese team, which would be really cool. Um, really cool to see that another international team. He also mentioned a team in Chicago, which I think in a lot of ways probably fits the bill. I mean, you look at a lot of teams in, in sort of that similar market of, of Philly, New York, even, um, I think they definitely could have some success there. Um, to, to get back to Calgary though, I'd love to see it. Um, I know there are certain restrictions when it comes to what they're actually allowed to do based on Vancouver having a team and Toronto having a team, which does restrict things in a lot of ways, but maybe one day, right? Yeah. We can, we can well, hope. I mean, I, if I understand correctly, the Vancouver Titans region is like yeah. geographically massive. Unfair. <laughs> um, like from Alaska down to Northern California, yeah. um, the Pacific Northwest Probably includes, you know, as we get into Idaho, Montana, yeah. I think Alberta's yeah. got Hawaii, according to Alfred on one oh, of the really? episodes. Yeah. So, so like there's a chance, yeah. I, but obviously whatever the, the it's, logistics would be. It's the old dumb and dumber uh, quote, right? So you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> there's always a chance. And I mean, but, also to that extent as well, uh, it's unfortunate, but you look at what's happening with a team like Paris, right? Mm-hmm. A team that very similar to Vancouver didn't have a huge community following. Um, and as far as I understand, didn't have any sponsors. I, I read that somewhere that they had very, very little sponsorship. And, you know, how does a team like that survive, really? that yeah. That's a big question on my mind. Well, bringing up the Eternal, and it's a... Hearing more actually about their situation reminds me of what Vancouver was going through in their first year. Oh, I actually... Sure don't know who owns the eternal off the top of my head. I don't know. One of the things that the Vancouver Titans always had available to them was the Aquilini family's money, <laughs> money, but then also professional sports organizations sure. that they're siblings of the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. Um, arguably got into social media uh, first and the best in the NHL when social yeah. media became a thing. Yeah. There's totally. teams that have, have since surpassed their efforts. Um, and you know, that happens when you're, when you're at the top, it's not like the other teams are like, oh yeah, congratulations. You get it forever. Um, you know, but there's, there's structure that the Titans had the ability to lean into that not other, not all other Overwatch League teams would, would have access to. So, you know, looking at the eternal and him, they've hit the reset button Mm -hmm. from what I understand their discord community actually has people that have been doing marketing and, and being involved in, in content creation and fostering right? as much as we'll go and take, you know, a, the Vancouver Titans to task as to how they've run their shop mm-hmm. and how they've not accessed those like us or the community that want to make it successful. Mm-hmm. They, they're not the eternal yeah, and where they're at right Fair. now. Granted, Eternal just came off a very successful for by you know, yeah, yeah, they would have probably wanted a better result over the course of the year, but very successful season yeah. and they fit the reset button. Whereas the Vancouver Titans came off a very successful season and yeah, hit the reset button in probably the most inopportune time yeah. during the most unpredictable events of our 
of our generation. So, well, and, and to touch on a few things that you mentioned there as well, like, um, you were talking before about the Aquilini group. And I think that's kind of also where you see some of those differences in the Vancouver Titans organization and the, um, Toronto Define organization. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm comparing those two because this is primarily a podcast focused on those two teams. I'm sure there are other, uh, parallels in the league, but you look at the two ownership groups with the Aquilini group and uh, overactive media, and it almost becomes apparent why the original Vancouver Titans roster was unveiled at a hockey game, right? Mm-hmm. The Aquilini group is a traditional sports. Uh, I mean, they're, they're a group of an investment group. So they have tons of, you know, whatever tentacles and tons of different industries and things like that. Um, but they have a huge part in the Vancouver Titans organ or Vancouver Canucks organization. Um, whereas the overactive media is an esports organization. Yeah. They are focused more on that side of things. You see, if you follow Adam Adamu, he's got to be one of the most interesting follows I've, I've personally found because he's not typically what you would expect following call of duty league and the Spanish league of legends league. And uh, you know, and the overwatch league um, and he's, constantly tweeting them uh, tweeting about them and he's following all his organizations and i mean granted he obviously has a very personal investment in those organizations Mm -hmm. but he lives it he lives it he breathes it he loves the organization he wants them to have success across all areas of their uh their portfolio if you will um whereas I mean, I couldn't even name an Aquilini, right? (laughs) And and that's not to put it on. No, no. I mean, I I get what you're saying. I can, but there's. Sure. And I've Googled it before to see (laughs) when I was first looking at, you know, the league and everything. I I did a pretty deep dive into where did these teams come from? You know, not not even Vancouver and Toronto, but in the league overall, who owns the New York Excelsior? And that's when you find out that people like Robert Kraft are involved in this. Like, just absolutely crazy. Like, that's I think kind of what the league can strive to be. They want to be this massive international organization. Um, And I think they only, they would only benefit from more exposure and, you know, to an extent, more teams, obviously there's a, there's a point of diminishing returns or whatever, when, when you talk about adding organizations, but I digress. No, no. Um, and I, while you were chatting there, I did look up the Paris Eternal. They're owned by Drew McCourt, whose father, Frank McCourt, owns a sports, traditional sports franchise, a okay. soccer club in the uh, French, uh, I guess it would be, actually, I don't know. Premier what the French, League, pre, maybe? Yeah, I, well, no, the, the French Premier up. League. I, I was going to say Serie A is at Italy, but uh, it's uh, Olympic de Marseille. So okay. traditional sports money yeah. background might have, again, what we're sort of seeing the difference is that the Titans always had the Canucks and the Warriors exactly. and, and the entire family organization present in town, whereas Paris yeah. Eternal were based out of Jersey. Right. And, and you look at, I mean, to the, to that same argument, and obviously this isn't, you know, I'm not throwing a blanket over, Oh, the esports organizations are good. And the traditional sports organizations are bad. By no means am I saying that, but look at the San Francisco shock NRG group, right? They're an esports organization and they are arguably one of the most successful esports organizations, especially when it comes to the Overwatch League with uh, mm-hmm. you know, their second second season uh, or their second championship, I should say. Um, so, and, and just sort of to, to wrap that up as well, I mean, when we talk about the traditional sports franchises and, and potentially not having the same level of success as a franchise that's focused on esports, whether it be OAM or NRG, I'll 
suggest you know the Philadelphia Fusion, who are essentially owned by Comcast, and yeah. Comcast is I mean, their hands are in everything, just like sort of the Aquilinis are. Yeah, but they, I mean, I don't know of the Aquilinis looking to build an esports specific you know complex here in Vancouver and Philadelphia. Yeah. I think already has shovels in the ground. So yeah, you know, it, it's just a knowing the industry well enough that you can then take steps forward um, that push the the entire league forward and the entire sort of uh, genre forward. Like you talked about, you know, getting involved in, in esports and, and having that, you know, sort of passion there. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a job. You've just become the general manager <laughs> of the Vancouver Titans. Mm-hmm. What are, uh, what are some of the things that you would look to go and accomplish now that you're the brand new GM? So, I mean, obviously I, I listened to a super Mario's episode. I, I suspected this question was coming. Um, and I think, I think a, a big part of what they, what I would do as GM is I would put in a lot more structure and public facing structure. I think, um, they, they need to communicate with the fans, with the organization. A lot of the time following everything that was happening earlier in the season, it really seemed like nobody truly knew what was going on. Maybe the very top did. And that was kind of it. And I think in a lot of ways, if they had released a statement earlier on, if they had someone as the face of the organization to say, we understand this is a tough time. Um, We're working through it. And ultimately we want to be open with you. Um, Even you don't have to come forth and say the whole team is gone. If they had just simply said, we're sorting some things out. This is, you know, air quotes, an unprecedented time. Um, just give us something to latch onto, right? Um, as as GM of the Vancouver Titans, I think they need more, seemingly, because who knows what goes on behind the scenes, they need leadership. Um, even when you look at someone like, uh, was it, I think it was Coach Flubby, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the uh, third impact coach that they, or was it second wind? Whichever. Um Second wind. Second wind. That's what I thought. When they brought Coach Flubby up, he was clearly the coach of the team. But you never, at least in my opinion, you never really got a feeling that he was being, uh, he was working with the organization as a whole, I felt like. Um, You never saw a lot of, uh, a lot of direction kind of thing for the team to go. I think a lot of people would have definitely said, they scooped up this team um, so that they could make it to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And after that, they're hitting the reset button. And obviously, as we know, they kind of did, um, you know, in a, in a almost non-committal way they did because they let go of half the team and they brought back the other half. Um, and, you know, say what you will about the players they, they let go or brought back. Um, I think a lot of us probably have differing opinions on that, but overall, it, it, it is a big question mark what they're doing. And all, all we want to know is, is anything really. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even today it came out that shockwave is very likely going to Philly, which I think shockwave is probably one of the big thing. One of the big pieces that most people would have said, you guys got to lock him down. Now at the same time, he's also a big piece that, you know, they move him and suddenly they've got a lot of room to bring others in. But what's their reputation look like, right? Um, 
to touch on on that side of things and and to touch on the public facing nature of an organization like this um i generally speaking i think you don't want to have a it's it's really tough to have a single person doing you know most of that content creation that that marketing side of things if you have a team of people to handle this i think it flows a lot smoother um mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I know I, I follow, I think her name is Samantha, content coordinator for Vancouver Titans. And I think she also does Seattle Surge and stuff like that. And I'm in no means, by no means calling her out or anything like that. It's just, you want to see a support system for everyone. Um, and, you know, a lot of what I'm saying doesn't necessarily even just apply to Vancouver. I think yeah. with a lot of these teams that we've seen struggles with, um, and a lot of the teams that have kind of hit the reset button, if they had some of these things in place, some of these things more well-established, then they might see, at the very least, they might see less turnover when it comes to things like fans and things like that. But hopefully they would see more success overall in, in building the brand and everything like that. Um, and to, to touch on one other thing, I'm a big fan of, uh, if I can shout, shout out another podcast, I'm a big fan of the Tactical, Tactical Crouch podcast. And one of the things uh, the host Kick Tripod was saying on a recent episode was that in a lot of ways, marketing is kind of like, uh, I can't remember if you said an ATM or a piggy bank or whatever, but you uh, take money out and you make, or you make withdrawals and you put money back in. And when your whole team implodes the way that Vancouver does, that's a huge withdrawal. You now need something big to put back in to retain fans, to continue building the organization, to keep some of that good faith that you had previously. And I think Vancouver was such a unique situation given that it happened in the middle of this season and Mm -hmm. and everything like that. Um, I I can't imagine how hard that would have been to navigate and to manage. Um, But again, you look to Toronto, that's a big withdrawal, pulling, pulling the whole team, hitting the reset button and everything. But you get a little bit of that back when you do sign logics. You get a little bit of that back when you, you know, renegotiate or whatever they did with Beast. Um, and then obviously, I think one of those big deposits was KDG, right? Mm-hmm. That's a huge deal that they brought in a coach like that. And then you also have someone like Adam on the front end, on the front lines, coming on podcasts, saying things like, we're working with a two-year plan and you know he didn't go into specifics but if you read into the simple signing of kdg as coach and adam saying they have a two-year plan they've clearly said you've got some time build your players build your team you know if you're bringing people up from up from the ranks like they did with aztec and uh they recently announced uh i believe his name is ansoon jay um they're moving pieces they're bringing things in that aren't necessarily top tier in the overwatch league currently but with a two-year plan with a three-year plan you can build those pieces up and you can move them into the ranks and even if they don't stay with your organization you can move them for other pieces that are equivalent or hopefully better right Mm -hmm. so I, i i guess in a lot of ways i'm rambling i don't know if i even answered the question but i think ultimately what it comes down to in my mind is structure and communication um if if you can give that to a team that hopefully allows them to build some level of success. Yeah. You know, the ATM example, uh, when it comes to marketing, I think really resonates with some of what we've said here on, on our podcast, how, 
you look at the Vancouver Titans and the need to build credit that you can then yeah. lean upon and, and, and essentially draw upon in, in tough times, the Vancouver Titans, they were spending during yeah. the good times. <laughs> and the moment the bad times arrived, they had no money in the bank to then draw upon exactly. to, to, you know, cushion the blow. You look at the Toronto right. Defiant, they had money in the bank. Yeah. They've continued to go and invest and spend that money, mm -hmm. that sort of marketing ATM money mm -hmm. wisely. And where we take it beyond those two Canadian franchises, you could probably go and look along and say, okay, yeah, these teams do it right. They've got money yeah. in the bank. These teams, they're, they might be a little overdrawn, but they might be like, you, know, you, can, you can, you can identify a lot of it has to sort of how yeah. they operate their team. So, you know, the Overwatch League, they actually just heard of all your success that you just had as the Vancouver Titans GM. Now they want to make you the commissioner. Mm -hmm. So at the big picture level, what would you do? So when it comes to the league as a whole, um, you know, obviously a lot of what I've already talked about applies to organizations specifically. Mm -hmm. If if I'm commissioner, which let's all be honest, John Spector deserves that role, but I digress. Um, if I'm league commissioner, there's a few sort of key things that I think they should enforce with every organization. One is some form of uh, player mental health. Uh, I don't, I don't want to say restrictions, um, but they need to be taking care of the players on organizations. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily know the best way to do that. Maybe it's saying, okay, every organization has to have a sports psychologist on staff. Maybe, maybe it's not even that far. Maybe it's to say you have to either have one on your staff or partner with an organization, which is something that we did see Vancouver do, um, partnering with, with Fortius and uh, having access to all their resources and everything like that. But I think, especially this past season, you saw a lot of, well, when you don't have the onstage performances, when you don't have the big events of, of Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday games, you saw a lot of people burn out. You saw a lot of people not enjoying themselves anymore. I mean, look at someone like Karkar who um, announced his retirement recently and quite literally said the game is in the worst state it's ever been in. How much would he have been feeling that if a things had been normal? Um, you know, he was on stage, he was traveling or anything mm -hmm. like that, but B and maybe this is, you know, uh, Hey, I'm wise in my old age of 28, but maybe this is, uh, maybe he wouldn't have felt that way if he simply had someone in the organization he could go and talk to. Um, I think that's a, that's a big problem that you see with esports in general um, is a, obviously it skews younger than even most traditional sports, you know, hockey and obviously, um, and I talk hockey because that's really the only professional sports league I truly follow or have followed before. Um, but you look at them and, and yeah, they do, it does skew younger. You know, you have a lot of guys in their low twenties, um, but you do have guys all the way up to 30. And then as you get above 30, you're certainly a senior in the league, but in a lot of ways, all that really means is if you can stick around in the league past 30, all that really means is you're a pro, like you're one of the, mm -hmm. the best, right? Um, so esports does definitely skew younger. I think you uh, you typically hit that age of retirement a lot sooner than that, you know, mid twenties even. But if players are able or have access to take care of their own mental health, I think that will go a long way in helping them. And not only that, but 
it might help them to look at the future and say, I know I'm going to be done when I'm 24, 25. What else can I do? Or can I stay with this organization and find a future there? Which certainly you do see some players partnering with organizations to do content, to do streaming, to do things like that. Um, and not necessarily in the Overwatch League. I think you see a lot of that in other leagues more. Um, a lot of that uh, partnered content creation stuff. But I mean, the Houston Outlaws right now, they're doing a content creation uh, partnership program where it's it's a contest and they're they're picking, they're allowing submissions and then they're going to pick some people to have a contract with them to, to do content and everything. And that's great. Um, so yeah, so certainly that's, that's one area that I would focus largely on. I think you need to tell the organizations that this is something that's now required because if you don't, there are organizations that are going to say to hell with that. These are young kids. They'll, and sorry, pardon, pardon me if I shouldn't, uh, if I, if I shouldn't curse or anything like that, but there are organizations that would say, no, thanks. We're not going to waste the money on that salary of that person or whatever. And, you know, players might be done at 22, 23, but they can go find success elsewhere. Um, so I think that is something that should be in a lot of ways uh, enforced. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I think there's some more, more standard, more typical esports things that I would say the league could do. Things like um, really ironing out the schedule of play. Um, and to that, I specifically mean, I think in a lot of ways, it was almost nicer to have the games um, consistently on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday schedule. Um, this past season, obviously, again, you know, I hate that you have to put this asterisk on everything when we talk about this past season. But this past season was was unique. But I felt like it worked a lot better and it was probably a lot more predictable and easy for teams to work around knowing that that's what the schedule of play was. And then the other big obvious thing that I would add is uh, the patching and update schedule. And obviously that one, I come from an IT background. I understand the technology side can't necessarily be planned out that easily it can definitely be hard to say, okay, patches and updates are this day, this time, and they're always going to go 100% smoothly. Um, you know, that's something that people need to realize, especially when it comes to a live service like a video game. It's very hard to develop a patching and maintenance schedule and actually stick to it and have success mm -hmm. with it. But it drives me crazy when a week out from the finals of the, from the grand finals, there's a patch that changes the meta. You know, I, I, I might get some flack for saying it, but I think it does uh, drop the competitive integrity of the league down because it's, it, it's almost like introducing a new rule in hockey a week outside the Stanley Cup playoffs. It, it just doesn't make sense. You're not going to change icing a week out from the playoffs. You're not going to suddenly say, oh, the goalie's not allowed to use his left hand, but... In a lot of ways, if Reinhardt's not in the meta anymore, well, now you can't use your your what might be your right, might be your left hand of Reinhardt, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something that we saw illustrated very clearly with a team like the Washington Justice, right? Um, and their almost Cinderella story run. But, yeah. Well, yeah. In, in fairness, in Sam's point of with the, the Justice is everything you just described all Washington did was take advantage of it. And every Absolutely. other team, every other team had the same opportunity, but what you were describing as being possible. Yes. Um, happens because of, of roster adjustments, the meta shift. Uh, yeah. I mean, this, this first stage that you and I fall or first stage first season, 
Sigma shows up for playoffs. True. Yeah. Right. Like you're introducing a new hero yeah. into a postseason, and sure as can be, yeah. Sigma <laughs> is there in the meta. Like it's yeah, and it, and it sure doesn't. Enough. San Francisco is able to master Sigma in a very short time window. And Choi Obin comes out like this madman and is able to, in, uh, honestly, Choi Obin might be one of my favorite players in the league. I think he's, uh, you know, for, for a guy who typically wins roll star and that's it. I think he's vastly underrated, although he certainly, he plays on one of the top teams. So he's probably not underrated, but I digress. He took advantage of that. He grabbed the bull by the horns and he was able to make it work. And certainly that's, that is an aspect is the adaptability of players when it comes to this. But I, I guess it just, it shocks me when they, when they release a patch like that, that close to the finals. Um, because in a lot of ways it, it just throws teams off. Right. Well, as we look to wrap up our, our segment here, I thought I'd ask you a couple of quick hitters. Uh, first and foremost, favorite video game of all time. Uh, favorite video game of all time. Well, like I said, I, I've, love video games as a whole. I love the industry. Um, so I, I don't know that I could pick just one. Um, a few, few that I'm definitely big on is the entire uncharted series. I think that's, uh, one of, one of the best ones out there. I'm, I'm just like super Mario, a, uh, Sony pony in a lot of ways. I got my PS five on launch day and everything. So I've been enjoying that. That's for sure. But the uncharted series, um, the infamous series, going back a little further, Sly Cooper, Ratchet and Clank, um, you know, Super Mario again throughout God of War, the 2018 one. And by all means, that's got to be one of the best video games out there as a whole. Um, and then, you know, just to increase my street cred a little bit, um, I'm, I'm big into the Kingdom Hearts series. Kingdom Hearts 1 in particular is probably my favorite. Uh, not the best one by any means, but uh, definitely, definitely it's up there. And then I've got to throw Overwatch on the list, right? It's it's the been the constant in my life since pretty much since it launched, and uh, to to close it off again, I like video games, so yeah. I could talk about them for a long time. But to close it off, um, the original Call of Duty Modern Warfare um, that was that was probably the game that really got me into competitive mm-hmm. online gaming, yeah. and so I've, I've got to throw the original uh, Modern Warfare a bone there too. Yeah, I you know I've talked to think about. Modern Warfare on a previous episode. Um, it was the first Call of Duty title that I like. I've I bought every single one of them, which sure. is dumb because Call of Duty, like when it comes to the, the Battlefield, is more my jam. Okay. Um, Bad Company. Bad Company was excellent. that was excellent, but yeah. Modern Warfare was at that same same level of excellence. The storyline, I had emotional yeah. investment. Um, I think is we saw was it OG Zombies was in Modern Warfare was it. No, that was in uh, World at War. Was the first World one at War? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, but yeah, like I, I, Modern Warfare was just a phenomenal title. Um, yeah. The reason I was I was thinking, and I don't think Modern Warfare had OG Zombies, but yeah, it was World at War. OG Zombies was still my favorite. I know for people that like, well, I like the story and the, the zombie, the evolved zombies. I get that, yeah. but like the simplicity of OG yeah. is that you're essentially in a house, <laughs> one map. Um, you know, you and up to four friends, and that's it. Like and it and it, it gets harder and it progresses, yeah. but like it's 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 the horde mode yeah. as I feel it should be. Yeah. But again, that's old man talking here. Like I'm I grew up playing Gauntlet on an arcade <laughs> with a rolling ball. Okay, like for yeah. for kids out there, you don't understand that the arcade consoles that I grew up on didn't have like a joystick as you might think. It had actually a rolling ball for the complex ones. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um. 
I was actually going to ask if uh, you were playing games today, like right now, and it wasn't Overwatch, what would it be? Uh, well, um, I, I should have said this at the top of the show. I actually play Overwatch on console. Um, I don't have it on PC. I've played it once in a free weekend on PC. So hopefully that doesn't ruin my street cred no. entirely. Sam, but, Sam grew up on console. Look at him today. Fair enough. Um, but I, I just, I've always played on console. So that's where I play with the exception of, you know, wow and things like that. But I digress. Um, but today you can find me playing Overwatch. Um, a lot of the time, well, right now, I'm making my way through Bug Snacks, which by all means, if you've got PlayStation Plus, it's the free PS5 game. Um, I, ins- I installed it. I have yet to play it. It's unique, that's for sure. Um, but it's surprisingly surprisingly touching. And, uh, you know, it seems odd to be getting to know these weird Muppet creatures, but uh, you build a relationship with them. And that's oh, always interesting. Nice. Um, so Bug Snacks. And then... Uh, uh, of course, I'll be playing Spider-Man Miles Morales. Um, I have a friend who pre-ordered that, so him and I are going to kind of trade back and forth and that kind of thing. So, Cool. cool. Yeah. So, um, one final thing. If I wanted to listen to One Man Watchpoint, where would I find it? Oh, well, you can find One Man Watchpoint on all podcast services out there. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Uh, if you find that it's on a service or that it's not on a service that you use, reach out to me on Twitter at Sir DRJM. Um, and if you're not listening to One Man Watchpoint, uh, go ahead and give it a try. Uh, even if you end up not liking it, just subscribe to it because because does it hurt anyone? No, certainly not. Um, but uh, by all means, yeah, I usually post either uh, Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Um, uh, because of the state of the world right now, I'm unable to uh, participate in a sports league that I normally participate in. So I've been recording on Tuesday instead of Monday. So that's why I say there's some discrepancy there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, search for One Man Watchpoint and uh, you'll find it. Cool, cool. So uh, any final words of wisdom uh, that you'd like to share with all of our listeners here? Oh, man, I should have uh, I should have looked up a, a quote from Sam or something and repeated that to see if anyone would catch it. But uh all, all I'll say is uh, Gritty is arguably the best mascot out there. Oh, damn straight. Gritty, <laughs> gritty, gritty is life. Like if, yeah. Uh, if the, yeah, the moment Gritty came out at, uh, for the fusion, uh, <laughs> yeah. like it was like, yeah, you win all it was, other teams. It was hilarious Sorry. watching people on Twitter being like, what is that thing? Oh, because yeah. anyone who obviously follows the NHL knows, uh, knows Gritty well. Yeah, gritty, gritty. Like there, there are mascots, and yep. then some <laughs> distance above them is gritty. So if yeah, if you don't know who gritty is, look him up. All you gotta uh, do. But uh, thanks again for for joining me here for the Meta Jordan. Uh, you can find him as uh, he already mentioned on Twitter at Sir Dr. Dr. JM, and uh, search for his podcast One Man Watchpoint. As he said, even if you don't like it, at least click subscribe. We're gonna take ourselves a short break before we dive into the fray. Before we get into the fray here, uh, if any one of you who happens to listen to our podcast, like, yeah, you know what? 
I kind of think I I could do the meta. I'd like to sit down with Chris or Ani or Sam and talk a little bit about how I became a fan of the Titans or a fan of the Defiant. Please let us know. I'm trying to keep track of people who reach out just on social, and I will admit it becomes difficult sometimes. So the best way to probably you know reach out is actually an RSP cord. So when you jump into Discord, um, you know ping me. That way I can probably note it better than simply on on Twitter. Uh, as I said, I'm doing my best, but I, I, I'm finding that I'm, I'm falling behind and I might be missing a few people. Uh, looking for uh, someone to join us for December. And the idea is the meta, we're going to do this monthly. So have sort of a new person. And again, it could be the Titans. It could be the Defiant. It could be both. If you happen to be a fan of the Dallas Fuel, that's phenomenal. Not yet a Dallas Fuel podcast. Still waiting <laughs> on Omni yet. to give us the... The you know Dallas Tower uh, logo, fire stick. Yeah. Well, I was their fan like season one, so hmm. there is at least that connection. That well, maybe uh, great, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it did. Uh, speaking of other things that are going great, uh, changes in the uh, Overwatch League. So rapid fire, let's go through what we call the cuts. Uh, Boston has cut Axiom. The Hangzhou Spark cut QOQ. London has cut pretty much everyone. Uh, Bernard, Sanguinar, Glister. The New York Excelsior, they followed London's lead. They cut everyone. They cut Libero, Animo, Sabiolbi. Paris cut Ben Bessoon, Nico, uh, Exi. Philadelphia's cut Sado, Fury, Ivy. San Francisco cut Moth. The Seoul Dynasty cut Illicit, Michelle, Bedozen, Slime. Washington cut Angod, Janu, and Stitch. And you may have just noticed there were three former Vancouver Titans, Slime, Janu, and Stitch, that are all in the market. Uh, I would not have thought at this point in time that only Twilight and Summon Sue would be on our roster. Hmm. Those, those would not have been the names. I would have never predicted Haxall retiring. I would have never thought Slime wouldn't be on the roster. Janu and Stitch again odd but then we we think back to that stream that Bray had about how he viewed Janu and Stitch and he the way he described them is like oh they're really good players in a team they're just not good like good players which arguably if you're you're trying to find the best individuals that does not make for the best team yeah maybe even bumper will return before some of these guys get signed who knows oh i would love for bumper to return i don't yeah. like you know there, there's there's a very short list of it, Players that you former Vancouver Titans, we had a chance to talk Bumper uh, and and Soman Sue and Slime. You know those three guys were the ones that that I felt were the most engaged with us during it's those time. interviews. Right, it's time Bumper needs to come back. The so league, the league needs him. League needs hero. Yeah, to confirm, like Shock don't need to confirm uh, resigning Twilight. He's on a contract, right? Or yeah, yeah, okay. Well, they, they some, some option. I can't remember which one. Yeah, I think he got team optioned. Cool. If I if I recall. Um, but speaking of of signings, and, and I'm going to just again rapid fire because there's been a metric ton in two weeks. Uh, Atlanta have signed Pelican. Boston signed. I am 37. Chang uh, Chengdu signed Creed and and I think it's Oxy. I don't know, A-O-X-I-E, Oxy, as coaches. Uh, they also signed Jimmy, Kaniki, Nisha. They also made transfers to their academy team of Kyo and Lengsa, and they designated Late Young and Evathel as two-way players. Um, so that would just simply mean they can play on either academy or the big roster. Uh, Dallas signed Jeski and Exi. Um 
F-A-L. I'm going to say that I tried to say that that was what? Dallas trades fate to? No. Who am I? What team traded fate? My notes suck. Florida. Florida. There we go. FLA. That makes sense. Note was from Dallas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Florida trades fate to the Shanghai Dragons. Uh, Guangzhou Charge signed Kareev, Mandu, McKaylee, and Choi Soan. Uh, the Spark, Hongzhou Spark signed Liege, uh, McD, uh, Takoyaki, Bernard, and as we already I said, love Takoyaki. Soon. That's great. The food or the player? The food. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Houston signed Crimzo. And if anyone here had an opportunity to catch Crimzo's stream, he was talking about how there were a number of teams, you know, competing for services, one of which was the Atlanta Reign, but they could not afford him. Ooh. So. Big guys. Uh, they spent all their money on... McDonald's, I don't know. <laughs> 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 who did oh they they got the only signing they did was pelican i think yeah. for now yeah uh the london spitfire signed reprising commander x as coaches because again their roster is pretty small uh los angeles gladiators signed moth crimson also said he had hoped that he would be partnered with moth so that's not happening los angeles valiant signed adam not adam adam no adam from australia <laughs> and not the adam that used to play on team usa or uh yeah and 2017, I think they're the main. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was an Adam before. The New York Excelsior re-signed Jonak. He's the only player under contract, oh. but again, Jonak plus five bots, hard mode bots. Wow, that's uh, that's a pretty solid team. A surgical moment of silence for NYXL. Well, I don't know if it's surgical when you go and cut everything off. Off. Well, they left the knife, so. They can still do surgery. Yeah, so sad. The Paris Eternal traded FD God to San Francisco. The Philadelphia Fusion signed Carpe Alarm, Funny Astro, Poco, Ikuo, and Shockwave. Uh, they traded Hisu to Toronto, as we already talked about. What the heck just went on there? Someone got a kettle going on? I don't know. I heard that, too. Some Need to make cat. some tea? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, we already talked about Florida trading fate to Shanghai. Zhang. I also signed Erster. The Washington Justice signed Bebe, Closer, Fury, or and uh, Rhea. So there you go. All the moves, none of which are the Vancouver Titans, who currently have a three-man roster. Shockwave, no longer a Titan. Can't say I'm too surprised by that. And, and for those who are like, well, why did the Titans wait to have the farewell post? The Titans were wanting Shockwave to return. I think that's very clear. And then the reason that the signing happened and was announced before the farewell post is because of how this organization seems to operate. The people behind social media and community found out probably the moment we found out and may have then had to go and ask, oh, hey, should we go do this? Which, it's just the way things are done in Vancouver. I think the bigger disappointment with Vancouver is like, I think I'm not surprising anybody when I say the the Titans lost their, by far their best player last season, right? Oh, but hands down. But the the key part for me is is the disappointment of losing their best player, or or in other words, the lack of disappointment. I think that's extremely concerning from from a fan base standpoint. Because I mean, even even myself, like I mean, we've been bracing for it for for months, and we're kind of like, oh, Shockwave went to the fusion. Oh well, what's for lunch? So so like we we didn't really process like, oh, mm-hmm. we just lost our best player what's going on now, right? Like 
like like when when Toronto dropped all their players, like there was in like there was more people upset about Roki leaving the Defiant than there are about people Shockwave leaving the Titans. And no offense to Roki, he's a fan favorite, but like he he doesn't make the same impact that Shockwave does on your team. My right. counter there is that Toronto has a ton of fans who are invested in the team and the Vancouver Titans have fans. And I, and I think that's my, my point is that like, I think there's a, a bigger maybe branding concern here at play um, that, that doesn't, you know, because we all reside in Vancouver, I think there's a part of us that wants to see the, the scene in general, forget the Titans for a second, do well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me was like probably the biggest disappointment. It was like that, frankly, nobody seemed to care too much. Well, before we hit record, uh, Omni and I were chatting a little bit about, uh, names, um, of, of people who are in Titans court and how I noticed that there was a name in defiant Chord that shared that they got banned out of Dallas fuels discord, who I don't recall seeing in Titans court recently, which could very well mean they got the boot from there. But the reason that we were having this discussion is that it occurs to me that Titans Chord exists for the community, the close-knit community that sort of existed from the first season. And we all sort of know each other when there were, uh, you know, team events, we would all sort of be there and trolls. So that small invested community and trolls, that's Titans Court. So who, who's going to be upset at, at Shockwave leaving? The community is there for the people. Yeah, it might be upset that the that Shockwave's gone, but I'm not sticking around because Shockwave is is here or not. I'm sticking around because, oh, uh, you know, Jesse's here or Sherry's here or, um, you know, myself, yourself, like the this core group, Axel. Um, but when we start to look at, at Defiant Chord, they've got this very tight-knit community who are also fully invested in the team. and people who are simply invested in the team and players. So that's where I think the the struggle between the two exists. You're right, Sam. We're the fact that we're not batting an eye and that's not an RSP not batting an eye. It's the collective fan base isn't batting too big of an eye. That's a that's you don't you 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 either matter or you don't. And right now the Vancouver Titans don't matter. Yeah. A lot of it goes back to how uh, the roster was changed mid-season and all that. I, I'm sure to like if. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and you know, considering and- Toronto, Toronto went through what Vancouver went through mid-season, right? So right. there was a lot of emotion when when things got blown up in Vancouver. But you know, you know, thinking back to that point though, we had all come to the sort of realization prior to it all happening that it was going to happen. Like I remember when the first announcement came out about Janu and people are like, Oh, it's begun. Yeah. Right. It wasn't like, Oh my God, what's happening. It's like, Oh, well, there's the team. Wonder what's next. (laughs) And with Toronto, don't forget that the last roster was, uh, was constructed around guys that were very likable and marketable. So Mm -hmm. they're way easier to attach to on the note of, of trolls in our, uh, Vancouver (laughs) Titans, uh, discords at least uh people care enough to troll us i mean if if we're <laughs> true I mean, that's the last straw right yeah that's the rock bottom that's yeah. when like the aquiline's gotta like bail ship somehow so, <laughs> so you're telling me i should be concerned we don't have trolls in rsp cord 
hundred percent. Yeah. In, yeah. In I mean, we have areas. Sam, but like, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. We do have yeah. Sam. By the way, uh, breaking news: uh, Molly was just signed, announced Ooh. for uh, uh, Shanghai. Shanghai. Yeah. Yeah. Molly as a uh, support. I always wanted to make that those noises. <laughs> You could have said, hey, edit this, replace it with a drop, and I could have done magic, but no. You couldn't match the... Your yeah, noises were if better. he doesn't make the noises, we don't have a drop for the future. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, last bit of news out of the Overwatch League is that uh, John Spector released a, a four-ish minute video, uh, talked about a number of different things. Now, if you don't have four minutes to watch the video, or for some reason you haven't watched it, and you're like, I'm never going to, I can give you the TLDR. AL 2021 is going to start in spring. So historically, the league's kicked off in what we would know as winter, which is, you know, January, February. And by saying spring, the earliest is March. Likely probably April or May is what I'm thinking. They'll uh, they'll launch. BlizzCon line is, is happening in, in February. So that's why I'm thinking we'll probably see a little bit of time after that. The actual season will be structured similar to what we saw in the the last half of of 2020. So there will be tournaments similar to like the the May Mayhem and the Summer Showdown, um, what have you. And then the structure of those tournaments and sort of the league play will will be probably I think closer to what we experienced with stages, except without stages as a as a penultimate because the tournaments will be it. There will be two regions of competition. I'm curious how this will work. If they go with what we saw in 2020, you'll have a smaller Asian division as a region and a much larger North American division. And then that somewhat impacts that competitive integrity as we saw, because we don't truly know how teams match up. And they did talk about how they'll have an off-season tourney series uh, or sorry, an off-season, but like an off-season or a post-season tourney that will be similar to what we saw in 2020, but one that brings all the teams together to compete. So I kind of think what I was reading there is not that we'll have four teams. We'll actually see more teams play together off-ping. Uh, but as to all teams making the playoffs, I kind of think that's not going to happen. I don't think they want to run the chance that the Justice you know, because of meta suddenly get an opportunity. We talked about this was an episode or two ago where in, you know, owl 2019, the Washington and justice were popping off in stage four because the meta shifted in a way that allowed their team to flex. They beat the Vancouver Titans as well uh, with that, that meta, but their record did not allow for them to make the postseason. last year. Everyone made the postseason, and what happens? They sign a player that no one else thought to sign and that player is able to go and perform in a meta around the rest of the team that almost had the justice go all the way. So I don't think you'll actually allow that. They also mentioned that uh, the, there will be an off-season tourney series, which was what I said earlier, and that's to generate content between now and when the season launches in the spring. They will announce what that will be shortly, but the one thing they did say is at BlizzCon Line, the San Francisco Shock are taking on the world which when I heard this, I'm like, oh, wow, it's just going to be people? No, it's actually personalities, players. So think of it as like an all-star event where champion faces off a, a team of select people. Mm -hmm. Chipsa has to be in that. He's got the best uh, 
record in the Overwatch League. Unlucky. But he doesn't. But that was uh, that was it for Spectre. <laughs> Pretty good, pretty good takes from him. I mean, like you gotta give it to Overwatch League, just constantly rethinking, readjustment, readjusting. Uh, you know, the different aspects of the league. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I was talking with uh, with Bocce and uh, the crew from CA Overwatch, sort of about you know what will these tournaments be like. And so CA Overwatch will also be great. We're gonna see these teams and these new rosters face off. And I'm like, Nah, dude, don't you remember 2019 that preseason? That preseason was like, oh yeah, we're going to totally have a preseason, and suddenly mystery. Like they had to transition the mystery heroes because the teams weren't taking it seriously, and it became a meme. So they they had to embrace that. I don't think if they go and actually have sort of real roster, real rules, that that'll have the same impact. So as we sort of talked about this, Bocce raised the idea of why not have a goats tournament? And I got to say, the Toronto Defiant Goats tournament was pretty well done and i enjoyed watching it i'd love to see something like that and i think that's maybe what we should expect to see is they'll generate content by having these types of tournaments um one i'd suggest is sort of like you know friends overwatch community cup though the focc works really well because it doesn't take itself too seriously and i kind of think the overwatch league would ruin that concept it's not saying they go out and do that it's just not the same when it becomes official but if they could have some form of you know fun or memed experience then i'm okay with that focc yeah i said focc because if i actually said the acronym as it sounds phonetically i'm gonna focc it's coming too (laughs) good that should be the title good good catch um (laughs) There's been a couple patches in the game itself. The first one, which uh, released back on the 17th of November, uh, it launched the Symmetra's Restoration Challenge. Uh, simply put, it's to celebrate the release of a short story. And uh, by winning your your nine matches before November 30th, you can earn a Symmetra skin as well as a, a spray and a profile picture. You also have the ability of watching Overwatch gameplay on Twitch and you get drops, which gets you in-game uh, sprays and the like. So, um, you know, if you haven't heard the skin yet, you only have until the end of this week, essentially. Well, you know, mid-next week. Uh, and then uh, that update also included a few other things, like in custom games, you can have minimum latency support. Um, the you have a green screen workshop update. Um, there's competitive no limits, which that's essentially, that's competitive season one. So you can have six Winstons come flying over the uh, the entrance on Hanamura. Um, some updates, hero updates. So Baptiste got his widescreen window. So he got updated from that old CRT he'd been kicking around. It's now widescreen. So five, nine meters. Um, to put that in perspective, if you've not seen it, his, his alt essentially spans the bridge and spans like the payload and a little bit on the side. It is massive. Nice. Uh, Lucio's wall ride, uh, was, was buffed. Um, and it, it's, it's a, an optional buff. It essentially the wall jump boost will immediately occur upon releasing the, the jump to leave the wall instead of starting having to jump, jump again, but you can adjust that setting if you don't want to. Wrecking ball. Apparently his grappling claw has improved target detection. Um, I never actually found balls claw that'd be problematic 
I still find Widow's Claw to be problematic. Yeah, I'm looking up there. I want to, claw, you know, grapple there, and it like grabs the mm-hmm. fountain in front of me. Yeah, I don't play ball enough to have any opinion. Oh, ball that. is so much fun. I know. Like never did it too much, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, the uh, well, two days later, essentially, which is which is kind of weird, where they release a patch for some player, like some characters, on one day. Two days later, there was another one, but on the nineteenth, another one came out. Uh, Anna, um, she now can toss her her grenade or biotic grenade or pot through allies with full health. So previously you could shoot through allies with full health, but you couldn't toss the pot through them. Well, now you can. Yeah. Now you have to complain about the hog who has like one, <laughs> one HP missing standing in front of you. Um, Brigida, uh, her base health got reduced because I guess it was determined that the boost made her too tanky. Mm-hmm. Um, Hanzo, you can cancel his storm arrows as I learned the hard way. Uh, May's ice wall can now be destroyed while dead. This is cool because how many times have you ever dropped the wall, you've died, and then your wall is now a problem to your team? So now you can actually destroy it. Um, Moira's biotic grasp, um, it, the healing resource c- consumption rate's been lowered. So this essentially... It, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit curious about this because I'll actually read the, the the developer comments. Moira could use a small bump in healing efficiency after recent changes maintaining her height healing output more challenging. So the healing resource cons- consumption of biotic grasp has been lowered from 14 to 12 and a half. Is that M1? Biotic grasp? I thought grasp was M2. Yeah. I thought so too. So that's why I'm confused. Check. Like I originally viewed this as as a buff because it would it would actually improve <laughs> the the healing based on what you're getting back through your grasp. But I don't know. I love playing Moira too, but she's still but grasp. It's her left hand. No, no, no. They, they actually call the wow heal allies in front of her. Oh, they call both biotic grasp. Oh, really? Well, that well, that sucks. Okay, so her. So her M1 then doesn't consume yellow. You essentially have more yellow to give. Sounds like what happens when you have too many uh, beers watching a game. Yeah, too many wobbly pops, more yellow to give. Uh, <laughs> Symmetra's teleporter can be destroyed while dead, and Torb's turret can now be destroyed while dead. Um, again, that's a, sort of akin to them adding the May quality of life. I don't know situations where you destroy the teleporter when you're dead, unless it's that you plan on resetting a teleporter maybe for your own needs or on a two CP, the Torb turret destroy. Again, that's another one. I don't quite get unless again, you're trying to time the countdown, but the May wall, the May wall can be so aggravating when she dies. And then there's a wall in the most inopportune spot. Yeah. What in what like scenario you'd want to can kill your turret well that's my mind right because like, the moment that turret goes down it's no longer doing even the minuscule yeah. damage you might miss those uh, wonderful torbjorn uh pogs where you're like falling off a cliff and and your turret kills the entire enemy team oh og turret was the best after you had you yeah. had you know thrown that down pop the alt and it's just like essentially you know a bastion with missiles um mm-hmm. 
And I remember my brother, he had a play of the game uh, with a 6K using a Torb alt on, I want to say it was Oasis, but um, he was dead. He actually, he, he, he had uh, been killed just as he hit, hit Q by a, a, DV, a Diva bomb. But for some reason or another, it didn't take out his turret. And uh, Diva died first before she could remech, and then the turret melted everyone else. So. Nice. Meanwhile, you don't see any of that outside of the kill feed and my brother's dead body just, you know, <laughs> ragdolling. Anyhow. So here we are at the end of a pretty lengthy episode. Uh, we had uh, Jordan talk to us a little bit about becoming a fan. I, I really enjoyed the conversation as well. We were talking about how uh, he had heard on Tactical Crouch this concept of sort of marketing credit. And, you know, if you've been listening to, to RSP as long as uh, many have, you've heard the three of us talk about the same concept that the Vancouver Titans themselves have never really built any credit up within their community. And they continue to try to go and spend money they don't have. Well, try doing that if you you need to pay bills in real life, right? You can't. The bank's going to, you know, call back that loan. Well, that's sort of what's happening with the the Titans in some respect. But yeah, it was a good conversation. And as I mentioned at the top of the fray, if that's something you want to join us for, please reach out, preferably in Discord, which you can join by going to discord.io slash readysetpoem. But what final words of wisdom do the two of you boys have for all of our listeners today? In descending order of unattainability, an RTX 3080, a PlayStation 5, a first edition Charizard card, (laughs) a COVID-19 antibody vaccine, and world peace. So that was in, in... Descending order. Descending order. Yeah, okay. No, that would be okay. If that's descending order, he wants world peace below the no, 380. It's a way easier to attain. Oh, easier to obtain. <laughs> but so the easiest to obtain is what's at the top of your list? It's world peace. That okay, then it would be in ascending order. Would it not? <laughs> no, it, it was descending order of unattainability. I guess it's a double negative. Yeah, okay, that's why I'm confused here. Wow. I thought those were just things you wanted. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying I want them all, but they're hard to get. Well, I I have a PlayStation 5. Do you want me to send you a picture of it? Uh (laughs) I can send you a picture of the box. Actually, (laughs) if you want, you can you can have the box. I don't need it. (laughs) You can you can take a picture and pretend that you found one. (laughs) Or you could put the box on eBay. Can I scalp the box? Oh, man, this is what happens when you get to episode 98. Can't wait for episode uh, 99. Uh, Sam, what final words of wisdom do you have? Yeah, man, like I'm I'm not about spending money like like Omni these days. I've been reading about uh, retirement savings. So if you guys are just starting to work, I highly recommend you put some money in RSPs. And when you retire, you can take it out and buy a fresh launch release of Overwatch 2. Okay, it is not launching that long out. And also, it's not RSP or RSP. What you wanted to say is the RRSP. RRSP for RSP? Double R. Is that our new Patreon level? RRSP for RSP? Yeah, we'll pay you back a dollar interest when you hit 65. Retirement for Ready, Set, Pwn. Oh, man. Maybe we need a registered Ready, Set, Pwn. Yeah. 
I don't know how that would work, but YOLO, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you Get contribute the... to RSP's RRSP, yeah. we'll buy you a copy of Overwatch 2 when you hit 65. Yeah. Oh. The Vanguard Health uh, ETF is doing quite well. <laughs> what are we talking about? Oh, dear. We are. <laughs> We are having so much fun. You can tell it's the off season. Uh, <laughs> final words for me. I actually don't have any. I don't know. We got episode 99 coming up in two weeks time. And two weeks after that, one month from now is episode 100. Um, as I let off, I think we really need to do something for episode 100. I have no idea what it is. Um, if you have suggestions, let us know. I mean, I'm, I'm genuinely wanting to, to have fun with that. Uh, you know, you'll notice on, on social uh, we shared that, yes, we are still, as sources say, the number one Vancouver Titans and number one Toronto Defiant podcast. Google agrees and has confirmed what sources have told us. Um, but uh, just because we're number one doesn't mean that uh, we can't get better. And I think we can aim to do that with episode 101. So leading up to that, episode 100 is, is where we need to to go all out, have some fun. What I'm hearing is we can mail in 99. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it, right? <laughs> yeah, two weeks from now, tune in to hear us simply talk about whether or not that box that I gave Omni actually included a PlayStation 5 or not. I'm going to autograph it and send it to Omni. I'll send it by mail. Keep keep playing with my emotions. Well, okay. Um, one of my other podcasts that I do, Nerdy Dadcast, uh, John, my, my host for that podcast, he still does not yet have a PlayStation 5. He does, however, have a PS5 controller and a PS5 controller charger. Yeah, these are available in stock. Yes, he pre-ordered those two. He okay. got them, but he couldn't get the console. And Wait, since he didn't then, pre-order the console? Well, no, he tried. It's just he he wants digital. Like he is okay. He, he is dead set to get a digital. And from what I understand, the digital stock was significantly low when really the overall stock was low. So here you have me who at one point I had two PS fives on pre-order. I canceled one. Sam laughed at me. And then, uh, you know, John who would like a digital, but just can't find one. He had one in his shopping cart, but by the time he went through the virtual queue to actually check out, uh, Best Buy told him, Oh, I'm so sorry. We're sold out, which in fairness, like, you know, he, I'm old, so I remember lining up like for Boxing Day sales, uh, where when yeah, it took a while to get into the store, and then once you got into the store, it might take a while to get out and pay. But the cool thing was, is if you had that item in your hands, no one could take it out of your hands before you got to the actual cashier, unless they were mugging you. <laughs> like in that video uh, originating in Brentwood, right? Which was this? Oh, I sent in Discord. There's a, like a bunch of guys trying to to <laughs> rob another dude of his uh, PlayStation Five. Well, I didn't see that. Uh, that was a, that was embarrassing <laughs> for for everybody involved in that entire operation. <laughs> Nobody cool. came out good. I'll go. I will go find that video. I did not watch it. Oh, but anyhow, uh, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe. And if you accidentally unsubscribed, having just heard the. Uh, hijinks that we've been getting up to uh please reconsider and subscribe once again uh drop a review if you haven't done so already we love reviews five out of five stars this podcast sucks works doesn't matter i'll still read it 
You can join Discord, discord.io slash poem. We're also on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere, Ready Set Poem. And finally, do us a favor. Tell your friends about RSP. Tell your friends about the podcast. Help share the power that is word of mouth. It is the best thing that you could do to support our show. So on behalf of Sam at another Sam Chan, Ani at Ani, myself, Chris at Lightforce, guess what? Catchphrase!